You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is about the Passover. Hello again, my dear radio friends. Thanks for joining me today. I hope all has been well with you this past week. But if it's been a bit rough for you, I hope you have remembered that God loves you. Sometimes we may find it difficult to believe that God loves us. But God, who does not lie, tells us very plainly and many times in that marvellous book, the Bible, that he does love us. So who are we to deny it? Sometimes life becomes quite confusing when we don't understand what and why things happen. But God hasn't gone away on an extended holiday. He's still there, and he still cares. A man whose friend's infant daughter was accidentally run over by a car, said to me once, If there's a God up there, then let him come down and do something about all the bees down here. In a future program, we'll deal with the question, Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? This week, we will leave prophecy and turn our attention to something else. It's called the Passover, or, and, the Lord's Supper. It all began about 3,000 years ago. Between then and now, various civilizations and their customs have disappeared in such places as China, South America, and Cambodia, to name just three. But the Passover is a very old festival, and is still practised today. Briefly, this is what happened. You can read all about it in the book of Exodus. In the area commonly known as the Middle East, there lived a man who had twelve sons. One of the sons was called Joseph. God gave this young man some dreams. Joseph's brothers resented him. His brothers resented because in the dream they bowed down to Joseph. Besides that, Joseph, the second youngest, was his father's favourite. These people were shepherds, and the animosity toward Joseph grew so much that the brothers conspired to kill him. Their father's name was Jacob, and this was later changed to Israel. Out in the fields one day the brothers intended to kill Joseph, but the oldest of them persuaded the others to sell him to some traders who passed through that part of the country. Joseph was sold and taken to Egypt, and there was sold again as a slave. It's a fascinating story. God did not abandon Joseph, 
although he had to go through some very hard times. Eventually, Joseph became the second most powerful man in Egypt, next to the king. Egyptian kings were called pharaohs. Later on, back home in Palestine, there was a severe drought, and Joseph invited his family to come to Egypt to live, and the family settled in the area, probably what is now called the Nile Delta. So Jacob and his sons and their families came, and they prospered. And before long these immigrants grew in number and were seen as a threat to the Egyptian society. The Egyptians then forced the Hebrews, that is the descendants of Jacob, to be slaves. They were made to work on various national projects. We don't know for certain, but some of the Egyptian pyramids may have been built by these Hebrews. Generations passed, and the situation remained the same for approximately 400 years. But God had plans for the Hebrew people living in Egypt. He wanted them as a separate nation to represent him. But they could not be his representatives while they were slaves. So he called Moses and his brother Aaron to go to the Pharaoh and demand that the Hebrew people be released to leave Egypt. As you can imagine, the Egyptians were reluctant to release their free labour and the Pharaoh refused. God then sent plagues on the Egyptians. There were ten plagues. In order, the plagues were 1. Water turned to blood. 2. Frogs, millions of them. 3. Gnats. 4. Flies. 5. The death of many of the Egyptian animals. 6. Boils, people were covered in boils. 7. Really heavy and big hail. 8. Locusts. 9. Darkness, and then the tenth one, the clincher of them all, the death of the firstborn children. After each of the plagues, the Pharaoh was encouraged to let the Hebrews go, but he refused until the final one. The impact of the final plague was even more significant than any of the others. In the middle of the night, the angel of death passed through the land and each of the oldest children died. You can imagine how the Egyptians felt in the morning. By this time, not only was their land devastated, but now their families were affected. The people were only too willing to let the Hebrews go in case an even worse plague should come upon them. You can read of these events in the second book of the Bible, the Exodus. But did the Hebrews lose their firstborn children as well? 
The answer is no. As God had given them special instructions, so the angel of death would not do his terrible task in their homes. God instructed Moses to tell the people to kill a year-old male lamb or young male goat which had no defects and slaughter it at twilight. Some of the blood was caught and painted using some hyssop leaves on the door frames of their houses, both on the lintel and the uprights of the door frame. The lamb, then, was to be roasted and eaten with bitter herbs and unleavened bread that very same night. Now, unleavened bread is simply flat bread made with flour and water, but without yeast. Now I'll read to you from Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 to 14. God is speaking. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when you see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Now some of us might think that God was too harsh. But we must remember that harsh actions were needed because of the continued stubbornness of the Egyptian Egyptian king. It was also necessary for God to let the Egyptians know that their gods of stone, metal and wood would do them no good and were no match for the Creator God. All down through history, people have worshipped gods, images crafted out of metal, wood or stone, and have worshipped them. It's a bit of a joke, really, that a person can have a carving of some sort of some sort of being and then foolishly thinks that the idol has special powers to alter the course of nature. Of course it can't, and the Egyptians had to learn that. At midnight, or thereabouts, the angel of death passed through the land of Egypt, and in every household the firstborn child suddenly and mysteriously died. What confusion and sadness there must have been as a result. But on the homes of the Hebrews, where the blood had been painted on the doorframe, the angel of death passed over, and no one died. By the way, the Egyptians then were only too glad to let the Hebrews go and even gave them gifts of gold and precious gems just to get rid of them. No doubt the Pharaoh was personally affected by this last plague, and this for him was the last straw. The Hebrews 
were then allowed to leave Egypt. There were over a million Hebrews, and they went by foot to where God directed them to the promised land. But that is another story, which we won't have time for today. Now, why were the people instructed to celebrate this Passover each year? It was that God, who had protected them from the plague of death and delivered them from slavery, instead of death they would have life. Instead of being slaves, they would be free. What were the elements of the Passover meal? Firstly, there was a young male lamb or goat with no defects. Secondly, the lamb or goat had to be killed. Thirdly, the blood of the young lamb had to be applied to the doorframe, that is, the entrance of the house. Fourthly, the animal was roasted, then eaten with bitter herbs and bread made with no yeast. I'm not sure if the people understood the significance of this procedure, but they kept this festival more or less in the same way for hundreds and hundreds of years for many generations to come. They were to remember how God intervened way back in Egypt to provide a way where they would live and not die like the Egyptians. Passover was all about deliverance and the Jewish people remembered it each year for centuries. We'll have a little musical break and we'll go on afterwards. Someone say 
just before the break, I was telling you how the Jewish people kept the Passover celebration for hundreds, no, thousands of years. And then Jesus showed up. Jesus was not what many people thought. He was the Son of God, although he called himself while here on earth the Son of Man. As you may know, Jesus instructed the people about the way of salvation, about the love of God and about how people should live their lives. At the age of 33, he was murdered by his own people, the Israelites, and died while hanging on a terrible instrument of torture and death, a cross. He gave his life willingly in order that people could escape the punishment of their own sins. While on earth, Jesus was sometimes referred to as the Lamb of God. Some of the prophecies of Isaiah referred to Jesus as a lamb. The question is, why? And why did the Hebrews back in Egypt have to slaughter a lamb? And is there something in that why Jesus was called a lamb? The answer is that it was for the exact same reason. The Hebrews in Egypt probably had no real idea of the significance of the slaughtered lamb, but that ceremony back then also pointed to what would happen in the future. For centuries, each year, there was this reminder of what God had done to save them from death. But in fact, that Passover ceremony was also pointing to the future, when the applied blood of the Lamb of God would be the means of escaping eternal death. Now let's look at the elements of the Passover and see how they relate to Jesus, the Lamb of God. The Passover lamb was to be a young male lamb without defect. defect. That represents Jesus. As the lamb was killed, so was Jesus. The blood of the lamb was applied to the doorframe of the house. If it was not applied, it would not have been of any use. So it is with Jesus. If we do not apply his sacrifice to ourselves, nothing good will come of it. We will not be given eternal life unless we accept and believe the sacrifice of Jesus was made for us. Then there were the bitter herbs. They make us recognise that the whole Passover thing was a very bitter experience. The roasted lamb was to be eaten. It was ingested. It became part of the eater. What we eat becomes us. Jesus must become infused in us. We are nourished by him in a spiritual sense. Finally, there is the unleavened bread. Leaven, or yeast, is a symbol of sin. Jesus had no sin, and he wants us to be free of sin. The 
Passover was probably the most important event in the Jewish calendar each year. It was kept when Jesus walked the earth. The Jews still keep the Passover today. The last meal Jesus had with his disciples before his death was on a Thursday night. It was the celebration of, can you guess? Yes, the Passover. And the disciples were with Jesus in an upper room. They ate the Passover meal with a roasted lamb, the unleavened bread, and probably some unfermented grape juice to drink. While this was happening, Jesus told the disciples what the real meaning of the Passover was. We find this written in several of the Gospels, but I'll read to you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22 and verse 19. And it says, And he, Jesus, took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For hundreds of years, people thought they were remembering the marvellous escape from death in Egypt. But that was all symbolic of the death of Jesus, who came to save his people from their sins. And then in verse 20 it says, In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. If Jesus' blood had not been shed, there would be no hope for any of us. Religion would be totally pointless, and there would be no way of ever obtaining eternal life. But praise the Lord, he died to set us free from our sins and to give us eternal life. But if we do not apply the blood, so to speak, if we do not accept the sacrifice of Jesus for ourselves, it won't do us any good. Before going on, I wish to point out something rather interesting. There are many people who call themselves Christians who are happy to go along to church and eat the bread and drink the wine in what is known as Holy Communion, yet do not believe that the Old Testament is literal, that is, that it's true. They say the Old Testament is just a collection of stories for moral instruction. Well, I have news for them. Jesus kept the Passover and ate the Passover meal. If it was just a myth or a fable, he would have given a wrong example and could be accused of leading people astray by his actions. But no, he knew the story of Exodus was true and he had no questions that what happened in Egypt had happened. It was genuine. But as you've just heard from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus applied the real meaning to the Passover. The next day, Friday, he was murdered. He gave his life for ours. Should I be grateful for that? You bet I am, and I hope you are too.
What a pity it is that Jesus gave his life for you and if you reject him. What a waste. After Jesus' death, the original Passover celebration was no longer needed. The Lamb of God had given his life. He was the real Lamb. Now that celebration would take on a new dimension, a bigger and broader meaning. It was also given a new name, communion, or some places call it Holy Communion, ordinances, or the Lord's Supper. And for centuries since the cross, Holy Communion has been celebrated by Christian communities and churches around the world. Many Christians have come to realise the significance of the communion services. They remind us of what God has done for those who are willing to accept his offer. They realise that Jesus Jesus giving his own life as a substitute for theirs is like a get-out-of-jail-free card. It is a deliverance from eternal death. It is a pardon from death row. And it is a passport to life. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, we read, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Here is another dimension of good news. Jesus is coming, coming again to take those who are, in, uh, who are his back with him to heaven. That is the important thing. Otherwise, there's no point to his death, his resurrection, or Christianity for that matter. Going on, the next two, voices, ver, next two verses point out a serious issue in relation to the Lord's Supper. Therefore, who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man, that is a person, ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. How's that, you may ask? It is because that person places no value on the sacrifice of Jesus. It is of no importance to him. Consequently, that person has judged himself, a judgment of eternal death. I must point out before we finish today that the bread and wine are symbols, symbols of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. They are not his actual body and actual blood, as some people try to make us believe. Those who claim that it is actual flesh and actual blood say that when the bread and wine have passed through the mouth, it is changed to Jesus' flesh and blood. This is called transubstantiation. But that idea suggests Jesus is sacrificed each week as if he gives his actual flesh and actual blood to be eaten. But it cannot be. 
We're told in Hebrews 9 verses 26 to 28 that he was sacrificed once and for all. Was Jesus' sacrifice in vain as far as you're concerned? I certainly hope not. What a waste, what a pity that would be. My friends, you too need to accept and apply the blood of Jesus to yourselves. And if you do, you may expect to go home to heaven when he comes to collect his own. I hope to see you there. That's it for today. May God bless you richly until next week, when I hope you will join me for another episode in the series Give Me the Bible. Mm -hmm.